It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We are just rounding out the second week of the Ontario election campaign. We are. It's that fun period in, in any given campaign where the parties are just like frantically Googling each other's candidates and people who are probably either highly overpaid or deeply underpaid methodically go through every Facebook comment a given partisan has ever left, their eyes glazing over at the in-jokes and inanity until they find that one treasured single offending word that will leave a gap on the ballot. Also this week, we had the first leaders debate, the Ontario Liberals released their fully costed platform, and Doug Ford spoke to the media for the fewest number of minutes that he possibly could. That sounds about right. I'm Alison Smith, publisher of Queen's Park Today, and this is the day I finally say the words slap my nuts on a podcast. I'm Jonathan Goldsby, news editor at Candleland, and I suspect you could give me the name of any given candidate in this election who's never previously run for public office before, and by the time we're done this recording, I could find you something that would be, um, if not potentially disqualifying, then at least something they might have to issue a statement about. And this is Wag the Doug. A weekly podcast about the Ontario election. So first up, the leaders of Queen's Park's four main political parties were in North Bay on Tuesday afternoon for the first leaders debate. It was hosted by the Federation of Northern Ontario Municipalities and sort of generally focused on northern issues. What do you think of the debate? Um, I was distracted a bit by the fact that tickets to attend in person cost 125 bucks, which is unusual for a debate and also just an odd amount of money. It's $20 more than second row seats uh, to catch Colin Fiore as Richard III in Stratford that afternoon uh, would, would have been. It took place at the Capitol Center in North Bay, whose programming for the remainder of the week included a screening of Superbad, performances by Pappy and the Cappies and Pet Rat, and uh, two showings of the Paw Patrol movie in both English and French, uh, Papa Three. But to the debate itself, uh, it was the sort of debate performance that leaders offer when they want to make a point of showing up to and shouting out a particular constituency while remaining secure in the knowledge that few outside of that constituency, other than professional political watchers, will actually take in the thing live. I mean, it was it was an election debate at one o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday. 
Well, and as Doug Ford would have you know, uh, all those other leaders are the ones that are just making policies for the downtown Toronto bubble, mm. but but not him. Doug Ford of uh, Etobicoke North, former Toronto City Councillor, he's the one who cares the most about Northern Ontario and really gets it. Is there any indication he had ever set foot in Northern Ontario prior to seeking the PC leadership or even while seeking the PC leadership? Well, he has a cottage. Um, is that northern? Where does northern, like northern Ontario? Well, I mean, North Bay isn't too far north from like Muskoka. I don't know exactly where his cottage is, but it's give or take same region. So we got a Donald Trump moment. Doug Ford decided to evoke the uh, former president of the United States on the stage, which I I think might have been one of the few things he said that wasn't uh, written in his direct notes, unless it maybe was. We were able to stand up the PPE. We were able to get 3M. I went after President Trump like no one ever went after him because he cut us off with uh, 3M. It's an odd statement in any, in, in any way you look at it, but certainly the entirely needless and obviously bullshit exaggeration is such a... Trump thing to do, which is not to say Ford is like Trump, but I mean, what you have to think of, what kind of person feels the need to not just say, I did this thing, but I did it any better than anyone who has ever lived, especially when that is manifestly, transparently false. What kind of person? I mean, the answer, I guess, is a narcissist. Yeah, I think all those prosecutors in New York State trying to put Trump in jail for fraud, they're probably giving it to him a little bit harder than Ford did on the N95s. Um, and two oh. months before he said he went after President Trump, like no one ever went after him. He was fucking advocating for Trump's re-election. So that is true. He yeah. did do that. He did do that. So when he, what he was referring to in going after Trump, because we should probably clarify that, uh, he was talking about in April 2020 when Trump blocked PPE exports to Canada, uh, and then Ford acted, you know, was all like offended and huffy, as though, you know, he, he as though he was like so totally surprised when this America First president he enthusiastically supported didn't see himself as part of some sort of community of nations. Yeah, and that was sort of his response when uh, the other three leaders started going after him about his government's COVID response, because when he first got that question, he tried to brush it off, started talking about, like, Ontario unity and how well the province pulled together and blaming the the liberals for the PPE stockpile being uh, expired, which, in fairness, is totally their fault. Um, It kind of seemed like the only... um, topic that threw Ford off a little bit, like where the other leaders got an edge on him. Children in this province had the longest amount of time out of school of anyone in North America. I want Doug Ford to respond and then we'll go to Stephen Del Duca. To support our kids. You know something, we'll come to you. I'm a little little shocked and disappointed what I heard from my two colleagues while we were in a full-out battle. But I think... You know, it remains to be seen whether the pandemic is going to become much of an issue in this campaign, because I think, as we've talked about before in the show, like people don't want to hear about it. My overall picture of the debate for Ford is that the PC campaign would have been really happy about it. Like he didn't, other than the the Trump remark and the, the COVID part, like he didn't get thrown off balance. He also didn't get like too angry and uh, attack anyone in a way that would like look unseemly, I think. Like, like putting his hand around their neck, you mean? Well, like when he told Kathleen Wynne to smile or whatever the last uh, campaign, like oof. there was none of that. Um, but like he was still kind of aggressive and uh, or assertive okay, and so. like, talked over Stephen Del Duca. He definitely wasn't like pussyfooting around. Um, and like we mentioned kind of in the last show, like he's so far ahead in the polls. All he really needs to do for the next three weeks is like not majorly fuck up. And he didn't on that day. 
Yeah, I mean, for, for, for Doug Ford to speak or to be on a stage for an hour and a half and not majorly fuck up is an achievement for him. Like, that is not something we generally associate with him. So congratulations for being able to stand in one place and offer a string of words that occasionally form sentences, which even then occasionally form ideas. And none of those ideas, as it turns out, are lobbying a misogynist insult. So that is <laughs> a new high bar for Doug Ford. Good for him. He should win re-election. Get it done. I mean, by the end, he was... I'm not one who really wants to, like, rail against politicians for using um, teleprompters or reading notes because they all, like, lots of them kind of do it and it's lame, but whatever. But, like, Ford was really staring at his notes by the end of this thing. Like, he was reading... It seemed like he was reading every line he said out said out loud, including like the line "We're gonna get it done," which you should at least know that one. <laughs> did, did did he like get out one or two of the words and pause and try to figure out the word? We're going to get it done. Well, and apparently at the the debate that's coming up next week, kind of the the probably going to be the more exciting of the debates, which is being hosted by TVO. Um, he is apparently going to bring a uh, binder full of the phrase get it done um, to that debate, even though the broadcast consortium is like uh, not obviously encouraging that. Oh, I'm imagining sort of like a, a shining situation where you just open the pages in the binder, binder just page after page full of the words to get it done, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. get it done, get it done, get it done. <laughs> it's beautiful. One thing I wanted to point out, Andrea Horvath's performance in the campaign. I wonder what you think of this. Like she, I counted five times that she said a phrase uh, like some variation of the phrase, Premier Ford only works for his buddies. The gentleman beside me, Mr. Ford, uh, he spends a lot of time prioritizing his buddies, and it's the rest of us that end up paying the price for that. But she never provided like any example of that. What do you think of her just saying those words out loud? Like, does that seep into anyone's consciousness, or should she be actually hammering him on like? He gave vaccine contracts to private companies who donated to the PC party. And he, you know, got long-term care homes with Mike Harris on the board uh, out of COVID liabilities. Yeah, no, without, without this, she, there were no specifics about the 413 or no, anything. No, Jesus. No. Okay, well, uh, I mean, a- Andrew Horvath is also not known for her skills cam- in campaigning, nor is the NDP known for their skills with, with messaging. Vague allegations of cronyism don't seem to be as... don't seem to get the same traction unless the, unless, you, until the, unless you build up, like, certain characters. Not that that's necessary, but, you know, obviously you think of the way Doug Ford has done that in the past and still kind of t- continues right, to do yeah, that. Right, yeah, a million-dollar man, like, then that's the, the yeah. bad thing we should worry about, whereas just general buddies is... <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's... I don't I don't I don't know how I feel that on like a philosophical or even ideological level if it's a step forward for if it makes makes politics better but it does seem to be more effective if you're going to go this route to yeah actually keep hammering on one specific example of uh, alleged corruption and just keep hammering on that again and again and again and actually and, you see that I know this is like not our beat necessarily but Pierre Polyev in the Conservative Party of Canada leadership debate last night just started saying that he's going to fire Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklem, which to me felt like a very Ford, like throwback yeah. to Ford's $6 million man. Like that worked and, you know, got Ford elected. Like, and it seems like Polyev is taking a page from that playbook. Yeah. So if you didn't see the debate, you didn't miss a whole lot. Uh, and no, no, they for this debate on Northern issues, they didn't offer any 
solutions for tackling the policing crisis or any of the other crises in Thunder Bay. It was the kind of debate where there was about 10 minutes on addiction and a solid 45 minutes on building and repairing roads. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. So also on Monday, the Liberals released their campaign platform. It's called A Place to Grow, which is, you know, the hearkening back to that uh, song from the late 60s, early 70s that the Kathleen Wynne Liberals trotted back out, re-recorded. It was actually kind of nice. It was weird. A Place to Grow also, before we get into the meat of this, was also the slogan on the PC's blue-on-blue license plates that were that huge boondoggle for Ford because oh, nobody can read them. I That's forgot what about it that. said on them. I forgot because it could, you know, not, not, not readable, so. Right. <laughs> so kind of interesting that government, the province service Ontario, is reissuing the white plates that still say yours to discover. So the eventually at some point the blue ones will go away. But I do think it's interesting that Del Duca chose that kind yes. of PC, pretty PC associated phrase in my Is opinion. Is it? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's like the, yeah, I guess so. I guess because I guess the PCs were in government in the 60s. So the actual platform, what jumped out at you from this 82 page glossy document with stock photography? I mean, I think the top level things that are maybe worth knowing are that the liberals are going to spend generally more money than the PCs will, but still promising to balance the budget the same year as them. Uh, The way they're going to do that is by projecting higher corporate tax revenues and by asking Justin Trudeau very nicely to reopen the childcare deal and give the province another $5 billion. I don't know if that will work. Um, they're going to bring back the basic income pilot, hire more healthcare workers, raise ODSP by 20%, scrap a bill that limits salary hikes for public sector workers, and create a new housing authority that would see the government build various types of affordable housing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last week we were like talking about how the liberals seeming to be having fun and making, you know, a little, little bolder in their promises, maybe partly because they know the small likelihood of having to fulfill them, but at least they were taking the opportunity of being in third place to just toss stuff out there that could get people dreaming. This platform is is, is not that. And mm-hmm. very much like, oh, yeah, this is, yeah, they're the liberals. And we will make things better marginally so. Incrementalism. Um, so, you, you know, you see things that like, yeah, everything they suggest, that sounds definitely better than what we have now. But, you know, then you look at the NDP platform and it says the same thing. It's like, oh, yeah, that that would be substantially better. It still may not actually happen. But, yeah, that would be better. So like rent controls, for example, the liberals are proposing that uh, they're so basically um, buildings first occupied in some part of 2018 onward. Rent controls don't apply to those. So theoretically, there's no cap on how much of the rent can be raised on, I guess, on an annual basis or whatever. Whereas for buildings built before that date or buildings first occupied for residential purposes before that date, the rent can't be raised on an annual basis more than the annual provincial guideline, which is usually between like 
half a percent and slightly over two percent. So they would get rid of the 2018 date. So that all buildings were subjected to that. Okay, that that's good. But like you know, go to the NDP platform, and would not only would they not have sort of a cutoff on rent controls, they would also basically uh, there would be rent controls from between tenancies. Basically, a landlord has to charge for a unit the same thing that they charged the previous tenant. That would be extraordinary in terms of actually controlling rental prices in Ontario. Would it ever happen? I don't know. I hope so. That would be a bold, massive change. And even and beyond that, it would pretty much completely remove the incentive for rent evictions and other sorts of landlord's own use, quasi-evictions, and other ways that landlords you know, try to boot out tenants so they can find new tenants who pay or pay more. Like that's something that would make a difference. And I mean, I'm like, and I feel like that kind of character, the, the difference between, between what the Liberals proposing and what the NDP is proposing kind of characterizes the difference between the parties generally, but certainly between their platforms. Right. Well, especially because the PCs at the time that they changed the rent control rules were going to get rid of rent control for everyone or at least a longer period of time and then they kind of got talked into pushing it back to just 2018 because it was originally it was i think it was 1996 that the previous sort of the previous threshold where basically if you had the misfortune of living in a, in a building that has been built or first occupied for residential purposes after that date in the mid 90s then rent controls did not apply to you and you could your rent can go up pretty much any amount over the uh, and then the liberals year. changed it and then the pcs were going to pull it back and yeah. then public pressure made them just pick 2018 yeah so i guess what i'm just saying is yeah Stephen del duca is just kind of like even the pcs mm-hmm. didn't it was a half measure for them so pulling back a half measure is mm-hmm. not that big of a measure, <laughs> according to my ruler. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm kind of interested in the fact that, like, I mean, that there's still almost this, like, tradition of parties, uh, you know, wanting to look serious by making a costed platform. Um, like, is there any point to this? Because I think statistically zero people in Ontario read this or noticed this or care um, you know, it just seems like a way for opposition leaders to, like, make themselves seem serious, even though they're kind of really just opening themselves up to criticism and a lot of times on, like, their financial plans, which are, you know, just as illusionary as, like, honestly, most of a budget is as soon as it starts forecasting, you know, four or five years into the future. The NDP released their platform before the PC's budget, so that was probably, like, two and a half, three Mm -hmm. weeks ago now. And now Horvath is being pressured because she said that they would have a costed one after the budget. They haven't yet put that out. But I think as soon as they do, they're just going to be opening themselves up to people being like, well, those big spending NDPs are going to not balance the budget. Like, that's going to be the story they did to do it. So, like, why set yourself up for this when, honestly, you could do like the PCs did in 2018 and just... Uh, stamp some shit on a website <laughs> that you plan to do and never tell anyone how much it'll cost. Like, that honestly seems like better political strategy at this point. I don't know. Yeah, there's the, the question between strategy and if, does opting for a particular strategy result in a gradual erosion of standards or norms or expectations that were actually meaningful in the first place? <sighs> it's really hard to say. I mean, I have to, I mean, I have to be honest when talking about, you know, deficits and balancing the budgets when you're talking in such abstract terms as a costed platform when you're looking like 
I find it really hard to care. Yeah, exactly. I find That's it what really, I'm saying. Really like it's hard made. to care. I love details and numbers and things, but I find it really hard to it's care. Ba- it's like, you know, if someone makes a business plan, they end up with a with a graph in it that like goes up because they're going to project that their business is going to grow. That doesn't actually mean anything because nothing's happened yet. Um, so I feel like it's just a... a, a an exercise in that. I do want to point to one other thing that Stephen Del Duca said the day that he released the platform and his kind of closing remarks. Mm-hmm. I'll read you this quote. <clears throat> you can't just wake up and wave a magic wand and hope that you get whatever you're looking for. There's only one way to achieve. Work hard, take nothing for granted, earn whatever you want to earn at every step of the way. And he he called this the Ontario way. Earn Cap- whatever, capitalism? Yeah, earn whatever you want to earn every step of the way. That just seems like a, a very kind of, I mean, Doug Ford would say that he basically said that today. Um, but <laughs> I don't know, from a party that's trying to be more progressive, like that's kind of like the same shit that Kim Kardashian said a couple weeks ago and got in big trouble for. Like everyone get a fucking job is what she said, which I guess is worse. But I mean, more progressives and more is in relative to the conservatives. But I mean, this is like the ultimate centrist things like capitalism will save us from the problems caused by capitalism. So does Stephen Del Duca think that Ontario invented capitalism and labor? And anyway, I guess it's just like, I mean, from a guy who's also proposing a basic income pilot and like a basket of affordability measures to also just be like, earn whatever you want to earn, bitch. Okay, Jonathan, you brought this up off the top. It's kind mm-hmm. of the uh, the silly season when the uh, opposition research starts either coming out via the opposition or perhaps uh, via certain media outlets. What kind of candidate gaffes, snafus, um, bad news stories sparked your interest this week? Uh, yeah. So in the Toronto Sun, uh, Warren Kinsella had a column about a, a high school student named Aiden, because I assume that's what high school students are, are named these days, who somehow managed to be acclaimed as the liberal candidate in Sault Ste. Marie over uh, Naomi, the lawyer Naomi Sayers, who apparently was rejected for uh, from being a candidate because she gave them too much material to vet in a short period of time. Uh, and so they went with this high school student who had uh, an Instagram account with the handle slapmynutsmc, although the sun weirdly won't print the word nuts, which is very confusing because I feel like that must have been on the cover, unless there's some other word, but it's slapmynuts, right? Like it's slap, the right is S-L-A-P-M-I-N-E-N, then a bunch of spaces and then MC. But I'm pretty sure it's a slapmynuts, right? I was worried it was a much worse word. Um, I think it was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as Kinsella um, wrote, you know, so he had referred to himself in online chats as Slot My Nuts MC and had participated in discussions where participants joked about people dying of AIDS. The Sun has not verified whether this Aiden person uh, was one of the participants joking, which is like, what? Like, like I, I, guess, I guess this is so, as we were talking about, like, there's, there's a lot of ways these stories come about. Um, Candidates are obviously always constantly researching each other. Uh, but goodness knows, journalists also research candidates and tips come into journalists from people who are not associated with parties. This, however, is a case where it's like, what is he talking about? It sounds like 
Warren Kinsella himself is not even clear what's going on. Like, so uh, anyway, it's weird. So he got turfed. Um, yeah. And that is actually so he's the first out of three candidates in three days now that have uh, liberal candidates that have all been uh, thrown by the wayside. And as we're recording this on Thursday at 1130, mm-hmm. we are uh, 2.5 hours out from the um Elections Ontario's deadline for naming candidates. Ah, That's at 2 p.m. today. So they have um, a very little time. And apparently Del Duca was claiming this morning they're going to have a full slate. So I'm expecting just a bunch of volunteers or a bunch, three volunteers from Toronto are just going to be named the candidates in Sault Ste. Marie or whatever. Like there's... That's kind of the only way they can do it at this point. Um, or who knows who, how many other high school students they can round up. Yeah. So then there was that Stanley Barry guy or maybe Barry Stanley. I don't know. It's all the same. The, Ooh, the rebreather. The rebreather. Yeah, that was weird. That one gives me such bad vibes. Oh, stop rebreathing near me. <laughs> Yeah, so he uh, uh, was the Liberals' Perry Sound Muskoka candidate, uh, and the the Star revealed on Wednesday that he published a book in 2009. Self-published a book. Self-published a book that suggested homosexuality may be caused uh, by infants rebreathing their own air after birth. Uh, He has a lot of other rebreathing theories. Apparently, this rebreathing causes a lot of trouble. Yeah, to his credit, he basically he did admit uh, nobody else thinks this. I, uh, this theory, was, I, I made. I completely the, made this up. <laughs> yeah, that was the well. I mean, I mean, that was the the best part of of the interview. Is he was so he did, without walking anything back. He was also candid about it being baseless, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is you know, you you don't, you don't tend to find from people who have pet medical theories who are, are very, you know very firm about like no 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 this is backed up by shit he told the, the star you know it's controversial i'm the only person who's ever said that i'm proud of it um and you know and uh stanley said he has degrees in economics from the university of waterloo and teaching from lakehead university but acknowledged he has no proof to back his theory and no scientific training quote none whatsoever it's just a theoretical book sort of folk theory uh which uh, so it's unte- so it's untested unproven these are just theories i hoped others could go with perhaps do more testing and enlighten you know but there's no proof to anything i have there i guess i just don't understand the mechanics of rebreathing what does breathing your own air mean what i <laughs> i i i i mean i i wonder if it's an anti-masker I mean, that's rebreathing. Oh, shit. Why didn't we, do, why didn't we thought to ask that? Well, I guess it's too late now. It I mean, matter. we're all rebreathing, really, when you yeah. think about it. But he was talking about, like, rebreathing as some sort of thing that affects infants throughout their... I don't know. Why are we spending so much time thinking yeah, about this? No, there, okay. there are videos on his YouTube you can watch, and he looks and sounds much like you expect. A person who's, yeah, very, very earnest about his, uh, as he puts it, folk theories, as um, opposed to Doug Ford, who's very intense in his dissertation on folk theory. Uh, and, and puts that into practice every day. The uh, the other guy who got dropped uh, was the candidate for Chatham Kent Leamington. Uh, that just happened earlier. That was this a morning. Yeah, he slur, used a right? yeah a, a homophobic slur mm. in a bunch of messages. So he was just gone as quick as uh, we ever heard his name. I wanted to bring up another one. I don't know if you would have read about this, Jonathan, but it's a good example of what you were getting at that. Uh, we don't always know how journalists uh, find out about such mm-hmm. things. So Brian Lilly had a column over last weekend, I believe. He was attacking an NDP candidate 
for Thunder Bay Superior North, Lisa Vaujois, because mm-hmm. uh, she reportedly uh, questioned the value of the national anthem, O Canada, on a podcast in 2009. The podcast was called Pedagogy Non Grata, pedagogical podcast. And, and Lily is f- out with all these quotes of things she said on this podcast. And of course, it's kind of written as if he uncovered such oh, things. Oh, I want to pull this up. I want to pull this up. Yeah. L- Lily Pedagogic. Brian Lily Pedagogy is such a weird thing to type into Google. Um, NDP to file a complaint over Lily's misleading attack on NDP? What's okay. this? I missed that. Yeah, so I guess the NDP asked for a retraction of this story and then has filed a complaint with the National News Media Council because they wouldn't retract it because... According to them, she actually said a lot of nice things about O Canada on this podcast. It's really here nor there. I don't care if anyone likes O Canada, to be oh, honest. Oh, it was a 2019 podcast. Okay. Yeah. Like a 2000, oh, you said 2009. I was like, okay. whoa, that's that like Brian digging. Lilly did not just come about uh, this podcast content, I would hazard. Really? He's not spending all day listening to Pedagogy Non Grata, which discusses the latest, most pertinent issues in education from an evidence-based perspective? No, of course he is. Uh, the most recent episode, uh, interview with Dr. Garforth on how to switch from balanced literacy to structured literacy. If, if Brian Lilly's not listening to this, who is? I mean, I guess we'd be remiss right now. We do have uh, to say the the other things that have come out are against the PC candidates, that a bunch of candidates have been taking or candidates incumbent MPP is like Lisa McLeod and Greg Rickford uh, and a few others have been receiving salary top ups from their riding associations mm. over the past four years, like to the tune of tens of thousands of dollars that oh they are just getting on top of their salaries. If you just you know think about the shit that Rob and Doug Ford were on about at City Hall every fucking day about so-called slush funds and counselor expenses and perks and passes to just <laughs> and the fact that oh he oh his 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 because this is not just all like party money right this is money from donors and that's subsidized from the government mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and you know in his statements this or it is a you know a press conference this morning he was like oh I'm disappointed we'll give him a, basically I'll give him a talking to and the day after the election we'll all sit down with all the parties and figure out blah blah blah. Yeah, no, it's this sort of. St- it's basically he built. He and his brother built their political careers on 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 shit like this. It's pretty clear that had any other party done this, he would be calling it a slush fund. It is massively hypocritical, but not the least bit surprising. And now it's time for the four thirteen hour segment, looking at things that are needless not terribly meaningful, probably have no reason to exist or be talked about, but there's enough where there's enough weirdness going on under the surface that uh, we should, you know, take a look and consider them anyway. In other words, election ephemera, which we will rate on a scale from 1 to 413. 1 being the lowest, 413 being the most 413. Okay, first up, we have a parody of Doug Ford's theme song. Uh, it is from a YouTube account called Catholic Teachers. Um, and since we're such uh, Doug Ford theme song heads, uh, we, we did have to weigh this one. Uh, it, it, it turns uh, a few things around on the PCs and uh, makes fun of their song, I guess. There's footage of Doug Ford and his little shovel. I mean, I liked that. I like the I like the musical arrangement a lot. At the beginning, it almost sounds like Lord's Royals taking the get it. Uh, let me play it. Working hard every day, we make more cuts and make others pay. 
said it was an easy road. I'll hide my cuts, but you'll still feel the toll. We got big, big dreams, folks. You gotta believe. I like the musical arrangement there. I think it's it's, cle- it's a clever, creative twist on a song that sounds like the most generic radio rock imaginable. But yes, the problem with this song, this, ca- this Catholic teacher's version, is that it's horrible. Yeah, it's the, pretty li- The lyrics um, get to, it gets to a point where, well, let's just play you this. Always fighting for cuts, 50,000 children without autism support, we gotta buy your vote. License plate stickers refund. We throw you a bomb. Yeah, uh, uh, I rate it um, ten. Oh goodness, no! I'm, I'm because I, I give it a lot of points for the creativity of the arrangement. I'll give it an eighty-seven out of four and a thirteen. Okay, the other one. I mean, it's kind of hard to call this one election ephemera necessarily because it is actually yeah. a pretty big deal. Maybe but... we should maybe we should just slot this back. Yeah. Well, whatever. We're, we're going to talk about it here nonetheless. Uh, Stephen Lecce was uh, has been caught yes, by it, Press Progress as being uh, involved in perhaps hosting a, a slave auction at his university frat at uh, Western. Doug Ford said he was not going to drop him as a candidate, and Lecce is very sorry, and, you know, he was a teenager. Although we figured out that he actually turned uh, 24, Four days before, yeah, about that. The the, the slave. Yeah, action? he had just he was it was just on the cusp of his twentieth birthday, uh, and we should clarify. Yeah, it's like basically, yeah, it's people auctioning each other for like personal servitude slash assistance slash butler service for a day. Press Progress does a really good job though of tying it to like the literal history of yes. slavery in um, elite U.S. universities that have the exact same frat. Sigma Phi, I don't know. I don't. Sigma Chi. Sigma Chi, I don't want to ever know the names of frats, so I let them slip out of my mind as soon as I hear them. But this is actually literally rooted in um, racism about the slave trade that goes back hundreds of years. So it's not, you know, obviously it was probably in the Western case a little bit of a goofy stunt, but it's not. It's bad. But also Justin Trudeau did blackface. So. I don't know what our standards are. Apparently, you can still be prime minister, and I guess you can still be education minister. I feel like they're distinctly racist and problematic for similar but different enough reasons that it's I, I, I almost weird to me to see how equally they're how they're being weighed as though they're equal type things. But uh, yeah, it did did also remind me that the Ontario ombudsman was uh, taken to, or the ombudsman's office was taken to the uh, human rights tribunal. Not quite a decade ago, almost a decade ago, over uh, wasn't a slave auction, but it was a silent auction at which slave for a day was one of the uh, proposed possible prizes. So from one to four thirteen, I'm going to rank how bad of a thing this is to do and put it at about three eighty. Yeah, I mean, on a scale of one to four hundred thirteen, I would probably put it around. Oof, I'd almost put it almost straight exactly at 350. This is quite, quite, quite bad. Not as jarring as you first see the headline on the photo, like, holy shit, but it's still like, oh, shit. Who would have guessed that a, a frat at Western in the mid-2000s would have engaged in some highly problematic, uh, offensive, and racist behavior? If anything, it's kind of, it's kind of impressive and surprising that that hadn't come out previously. Another thing this week is... The Profile of Stephen Del Duca in Toronto Life by Jason McBride. Allison, will you read some choice physical descriptions of the liberal leader? With his clean-shaven head, thin lips, and stocky frame, 
there's a somewhat cartoonish aspect to Del Duca's physical presence. Comparisons to Daddy Warbucks or Muppet scientist Dr. Bunsen Honeydew are common, unkind, and unfortunately accurate. Did you ever tweet about him looking like Bunsen Honeydew? Because you've been saying this for months. Have I? I feel like, I mean, Colin Robinson is always my sort of go-to. Okay, I'm going to search my own Twitter history for Honeydew. I feel like I wouldn't have actually said... I've never tweeted the word honeydew. Okay, because okay. I, I may was have wondering said whether they, uh, whether this this journalist who wrote this honestly withering description of Del Duca in Toronto life in a new profile that just came out uh, had had uh, uh, grabbed that from you. I mean, you know, I may have said it on the podcast well, on maybe, your. Yeah. I don't think I. You know, I may have, but also it's a very. It's obvious. It's, it's, that it's obvious. obvious. Yeah. For a long yeah. time, I had I had trouble putting my finger on which Muppet he most looked like. Um, Bunsen Honeydew, I guess. I don't know. It still doesn't seem quite right. I feel like he is his own Muppet. I mean, the part of the description that really gets me is thin lips. Like, that's such a specific and mean insult. Like, I feel like that would give me, and I'm, like, not self-conscious about my lips in any way, shape, or form. But if someone put it in a profile that my lips, I had thin lips, like, I think I would get a complex. It just feels so specific that it would make you feel very bad. I could go down this rabbit hole. I do have things to say. But, yeah, in terms of trying to pick apart his physical appearance any further... Thin-lipped bastard. <laughs> uh, I'm going to rank it honestly pretty high, this description, because I think it was bold uh, to write this in the magazine. And honestly, as he said, accurate. Um, I'm going to go 382. On a scale of 1 to 413, I would have to say about 367. Very nice writing. Way to go, Jason McBride. And there's a funny other part of the profile where he um, he's trying to get Del Duca to his, his team to uh, let him like do something with Del Duca. He's like, maybe we can play baseball. Maybe we can play golfing. Like, maybe we can, you mm-hmm. know, like, let's get out there and see him in his element. Like, what does he like to do? And the the one thing that his campaign team will and, and Del Duca will agree to is going grocery shopping at 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning. <laughs> That's him in his element. And that was Wag the Dog, a show about clean-shaven heads, thin lips, can't lose. We are going to keep releasing weekly episodes throughout the rest of the Ontario election campaign. Come back next Friday for the biggest, weirdest, and most interesting things to happen on the hustings. I'm Jonathan Goldsby. You can find me on Twitter at Goldsby. I'm Allison Smith. You can find me on Twitter at, at Queen's Park Today. Our producer is Kevin Sexton. Our managing editor is Kieran Outsorn. And our theme music is by Nathan Burley. Our podcast is listener-supported. Right now, Canada Land is offering a special time-limited offer. $3 for three months of premium feeds for all our shows. Just go to canadaland.com slash join. Lisa Kudrow was fired from the set of Frasier. Charles Schultz was told he'd never make a living scribbling. Missy Elliott was dropped by her label. And Rita Moreno couldn't land a role of substance for seven years after West Side Story. 
the stories of famous names, their lesser-known rejections, and the insights those rejections provide. We regret to inform you, The Rejection Podcast. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.